Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. As I just said, my name is Mike Moynihan. I'm the host this week, every week. And this week's episode is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. Y'all know that I'm a big grading card guy. I, I, I do love my graded cards. And I think we're at a point now in the grading environment, the grading landscape, that's an interesting kind of point of time because we're six months away from when PSA shut things down, they're slowly reopening. And I want to talk to my guests tonight about that and what they think and how they think what the ramifications are kind of across the hobby landscape, if there are any. And then Norman's down here uh, doing a little whining, wanting to get up on my lap. So we're going to talk about that. And <laughs> hold on. Dude, seriously, can't do this. Come say hi real quick. There you go. Say hi to everybody. There, there. All right, go up here. Um, that's a great intro, by the way. If you ever want to do a podcast, have your dog interrupt you. That's always a good thing to do. So I've got two guests on tonight. The other part, obviously, we're talking about grading, which I love. And then the other thing I'm really looking forward to is I get to talk to two of my best friends in the hobby about this tonight. And the first guy I'm going to bring on is you guys have heard him a lot on this show because he's been on more than anyone else. And it's Andy. She blinded me with the refractors. My, my co-host for the show. Hey, Andy. How's it going, Mike? Um, I hope Norman smells well. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to figure out what the heck he wants to do tonight. So it's always a good interruption. Yeah. He's, he's good for radio. He is. He is. He's probably got more, good things to say than we do so uh that's probably true uh what's going on with you are you excited about coming to see me yeah i mean we've got that coming up here at the end of the month so yeah looking forward to that and um looking forward to this conversation because there's i mean there's a lot of different things that can be said about this topic so it should be fun yeah and i mean you and i you know we, we talk, we've talked about grading before obviously way beyond just on a show but is this really a show with just the two of us that we can speak intelligently about maybe a little but we'll try to bring some class to it we'll turn this into a little menage a trois of cardboard and we're going to bring in the oracle himself eric those back pages what's up man hello friends <laughs> All glad you're here, guys thanks for having me on well, Eric, you're, you've been on the show the second most of anyone besides Andy. Nice. Yeah. 
That's it's why good to know. I've got to I've got to keep my lead. That's right. Yeah. It's good to know low people in high places, Eric. So <laughs> very true. <laughs> so you know, I'm Eric, I know what an what an affinity and passion you have for grading. You're you talk about it all the time on your channel, and we share that. Andy obviously likes graded. I mean, I think it, most people. You could have a card graded or not graded. There's plenty of raw only kind of people out there, but the grading sure. has become so popular in the hobby, obviously. And you guys heard in my introduction, we, we're now six months into the PSA shutdown slash reduction slash yeah. whatever their, whatever their like state to, is. Yeah, I like or, to call it a, the clog. The clog. Okay. Well, the clog is getting unclogged. If you guys haven't heard the news, they're they're grading at the rate of around 190 to 200,000 cards a week. And if they were pre-shutdown at an eight to twelve million dollar backlog or twelve million dollar twelve million card backlog, then they are catching up reasonably quick now. I mean, they're they're getting to a point now where they're if they keep this pace up, they're going to knock that backlog. They're going to unclog the clog pretty quickly. Well, let's hope so. So I'll ask both of you, Andy, I'll start with you. What's the next six months look like? Not only maybe for PSA, but how does that affect the other TPGs out there? What do you think? Um, I would say for PSA, <clears throat> they have done a great job of, you know, catching up with this backlog, but I still... I still think we're a little ways out from being to a point where, you know, your lower to mid-grade cards can be submitted at a somewhat reasonable rate to them. Um, I think SGC, <clears throat> they've, they seem like they've done pretty well during this time as far as, I mean, they're not putting out near the volume, but I haven't, I mean, just from the stuff I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of vintage going there that is in the lower to mid-grade stuff, you might say. So I think a lot of people are waiting out. They're waiting for PSA, so they probably have some stuff ready to submit, just hoping that they're going to get those rates low enough to where they can do it. So it, it should be pretty interesting. All right, I'm going to ask you a follow-up because I think you bring up a great point. I, I, I agree with you that I think there are a lot of people waiting, holding on to cards, building stacks of things, waiting for PSA to quote unquote, kind of reopen fully, get back to a more normal price level, which is really what's driving. I mean, you can send in all the cards you want right now. at 150 bucks a piece, right? Getting it right. to a price point where some, sending in some of the cards that might be in that stack of waiting cards makes sense. Um, I totally agree with you. And so do you really think there's, if you were to guess, is it millions of cards are sitting on the sideline waiting to be submitted to PSA overall throughout the hobby? Um, I mean, I would think so because especially like in this, <clears throat> in this vintage era that we're talking about, like, you know, the fifties and sixties, because a lot of the people that collect these cards, they might be involved in some of the PSA registries. And, you know, if you're if you're doing it with the registry in mind, yeah, you're only going to submit to PSA, right? Um, and I do think there's a there is a big number of cards that are waiting to be submitted. And I still think there's a pretty decent number that are 
being graded. I mean, that are haven't they haven't gotten to yet because that's that was a big backlog <laughs> for sure. The clog was thick. Clog Mr. Was Oracle, thick. are you there still? Yeah, I'm here. So <laughs> I I agree with Andy. I mean, I, I think you know, and and a good point that you brought up as the follow up is that. There are, I, I do think there are, well, I don't know about millions, but quite a number of, of cards that are are already in their card savers waiting for the opportunity to be submitted. Now, depending on what you collect, and like Andy discussed, the, the registry is a very powerful, powerful tool and having your cards graded by anyone but PSA doesn't help your registry whatsoever. So there are those people. And plus, at the, the current price point, it just doesn't make sense, especially for one's registry, which I would say 99% of the time is for keeping. You know, people building their registries aren't in a hurry to finish their registry to get rid of it. So the incentive to spend the current price point is just not there. Now these, these people doing the registries also tend to be collectors and they realize, like I always like to say that collecting is a marathon and not a sprint and that we are in this new world now, as far as the hobby goes, unlike any we've ever seen before. And between the three of us, we've had decades of experience. And is this the new normal? Don't know. Um, don't know if this is the new normal. But people that think, oh, it's just going to go back to the way it was, where it was, you can get cards graded for seven, eight dollars in bulk. I don't see that happening either. Yeah, I think those days are long gone. I love your point about the different mindset that an individual might have depending on their purpose for that card. Is it a forever thing or is it a for now you know, till I can get it back and sell it thing? And that yeah. matters dramatically on your decision, whether or not to send it in at what price level in terms. And also the price level also determines how fast you get it back to, to some degree. Right. At least it used to. Right. Oh, yeah, it used to. Yes. Um, so that all plays into that. I, I think you're right. I think there's, kind of these two people that are the resellers, the flippers and the collectors. And th I think the collectors are, have learned to be patient. I know I have a stack waiting to go to PSA at some point and I am in zero hurry to do it. Um, I, I have cards there now that luckily got in before the shutdown. Right. Still waiting on them a year later, but what'd you say, Eric? I said, yeah, right. You're right. And I'm in, like, like you said, no hurry. The, the flippers, but even if they want to get them back quick, they're going to have to pay a lot of money. And, and then you have to go, is the juice worth the squeeze? And right. I think that the number of cards that meet that criteria that the juice is worth the squeeze significantly smaller than it was two years ago or a year ago, for sure, right? Um Andy, you made a great point earlier off air. I'd love you to explain kind of just some of the math that, that a collector or a flipper might go through in their mind of how they might think through that. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and I'm I didn't have any specific card in mind, but let's just say that you have a card that you're going to send in, and let's let's just say for argument's sake that PSA comes back with a lower level price of thirty dollars a card, and let's say if the card grades at exactly what you think it will in its best case scenario, <clears throat> that you would be able to sell it for a hundred dollars, right? Now you have to start thinking about: is it worth that time? that it's going to take because I mean, it's, it's the thing, like I'm, you said you're patient, right? You have cards that you're patiently waiting. Like I'm, I'm patient, but I want to get the cards submitted as soon as possible because the patience comes in during the time that they're there. Because <laughs> it's going to be Great a point. long time. So if you have a card that's like, you know, like I said, 30, 40 bucks raw, in best case scenario, it's going to be a hundred dollars, but you're going to have to wait like a year. Yeah. That's maybe true. To get it back. I don't know that it's worth it. If that's your, your best outcome, you know what I mean? So if that's true, then those cards are going to not ever be graded potentially barring a significant reduction in the price to submit. If you were to predict, Eric, in six months, where you think the cost of like a, a basic economy bolt cost to submit a card to PSA, where, where do you think the price point is at six months from now? So you're assuming that in six months they'll actually offer the service. Good point. I mean, we're talking, we're in October, so that's that's April. I don't know. Um and it's an interesting point because let's say you know, they work their way through the holidays, through the winter, through the clog, and they get back to sustainable levels where they feel confident because they can't, they don't know the future, they don't know, but they feel confident we can open up economy. And they say, all right, we're going to, we're going to open up economy and for doing round numbers, let's say forty dollars a card. Okay. Now you, you've got people like yourself times a thousand or more that are waiting, like that are brand loyal to PSA, and they are waiting to submit. So now the price is forty dollars, and you like it. You're okay. I'm good with that. So are 10,000 other people. Then they get slammed again. Does this, does this, does the clog happen again? Do they, and this has been discussed many places, well, a few places, but do they open up economy with restrictions and saying, Mike, you can only submit this amount of cards with no more than, and this is more of an ultra modern than a vintage problem but no more than X amount of one particular copy of any particular card. Because while it's great that, you know, they, they slabbed almost a million cards last month, you know, they made a nice dent in the clog, but there's still many to go. And, you know, there, there are a lot of people that feel, well, you know, in six, eight months, it'll just be back to normal. Who knows? I mean, nobody knows, and I don't think they know. So if they reoffer this economy service and 10,000 people each send in 1,000 cards, 
boom, backed up again. So it's it's very difficult to answer that type of question. I think yeah, it's at some point, yes, they are. They've done. You know, I am. I'm known as a, a PSA fanboy. I, I guess that's an accurate statement. But they, of all of the third-party graders, they are the ones that are expanding their physical ability to grade cards. They are being proactive in that regard, whereas, you know, we won't get into the mudslinging, but some of the other companies are, oh, well, PSA is closed, so we're open. Send us your stuff. And then they get slammed, and then they get backed up. So, you know, we don't, ideally, a nice smooth transition would be great because you don't want to have, all right, well, the clock's gone. And then two months later, an email, you know, from, from the head of PSA saying, hey, sorry, guys. Sorry, everyone. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to throttle this because we're backed up again. Yeah, that's, so, you don't so many think. things that you just said make a lot of sense. And so think about it's it's math, right? If, let's say they're max capacity. Like if we burn the midnight oil, we can grade right now at our current capacity. And I'm not saying they wouldn't wouldn't add to this, but 200 200,000 cards a week. I guarantee you, if they open it, if they go from 150 to 30 dollars a card, 40 dollars a card, they're going to get more than 200,000 cards next week, which means the clog just starts again we start this problem again exactly and and that's what you're saying so if you go maybe they go 150 to one what i'm saying is right now they might be getting us they're getting let's say they're getting a hundred thousand cards a week i don't know what they're getting but let, let's right. say that or fifty thousand a week now at 150 with their capacity at 200 they're using that extra capacity right now to continue to unwind the clog but at some point they get caught up then they go, okay, 125. Now we're getting 75,000 cards a week at that price. I think they'll ratchet down to a point right. where they create equilibrium with at this price point, we get enough cards to where we're kind of close to capacity on a weekly basis. That makes more sense to me than just jumping down from 150 to opening up some economy level that would just again, like you said, create the problem all over again. Right. Um, now if they drop it, you know, and they get to, Oh, we're, we got a hundred thousand cards at, there might be some point where if they drop it some price point, some tip over point price wise that, Oh shoot. Now we got 300,000 cards. They might have to go, Oh, that was too low. Right. Well, then that they can't too high of a demand. Well, then you raise it back up. And, and that's not what I don't think they'd want to do. I don't no, think absolutely. they want to jack around with prices a lot. So I think that, they will slowly, you know, incrementally decrease. Right. The price. They have to try to find that balance. Right. Right. They're fine tuning it. Right. They're kind of tuning it in on the radio going, okay, where is this point of price where we get enough cards to, to use, utilize all this capacity that we have? They want to use it. They don't want to idle you know, greater, so to speak, right. not paying them to sit there and pick their nose. Now to swing it around to the other side of the fence, because I'm sure a lot of, of people that are tuning in right now are, are not submitting themselves and 
that's not by, you know, because of the clog or shutdown. That's because that's not how they collect. There are people that collect all already great. So, and I happen to be one of those people. And <clears throat> me too. Right. <laughs> and, you know, again, if you're listening to us and you've come back, what I like to just define as the new times versus the old days, you know, the post, you know, pandemic, uh, Meteor, uh, meteor, I can't say that word. Mediocrity? No, no, the uh, meteoric, that's it, meteoric rise of card collecting, because we're talking about that. Things are different. It's not how it used to be two years ago. So, you know, I pride myself on, on as a person who's not interested in paying what I like to call the 10 tax. You know, the PSA Gem Mint 10 tax for modern cards, especially. But that, you know, applies to the older, to vintage, what we're talking about today. So I am super content to, to not pay up for a five when I can buy a three that looks just as good as the five. So that adds to another layer to the collecting onion. But the point being is, you know, in the old days... If a five, you know, was a hundred bucks, it's not going to be a hundred bucks anymore. And that is, as someone who's done this for a long time, can be a difficult pill to swallow because you have the mindset when you're looking for something and a per, all right, here's a perfect example that, you know, Mike and I were, were talking on the phone the other day and I was talking to him about Hank Aaron because for years and years and years, I said to people, there's no wrong time to buy a Hank Aaron rookie. And sure enough, he passes away and oh, look what happened to Hank Aaron rookies. But a 59 tops Hank Aaron PSA 3. And I hadn't looked at Hank Aaron cards in quite a long time. As I had mentioned to Mike, I'm going to probably start looking at them again just because of a few things that you don't, you don't need to talk to about tonight. But I was like, well, look it up. See what it goes for because I don't have any idea. He's like, well, what do you think it goes for? I said, well, 60 to $75 for a PSA 3. You know, back in the day, they were probably 50 or 60 bucks for a 3. Because, and, you know, depending on what the 3 looks like, because anyone who's been collecting slabs for any number of years knows that the assigned grade is the assigned grade, but the card inside never looks the same from one five one from one three to another three you can have a very different looking card anyway so he looked it up and he said yes i said ah, 75 dollars." he said well i what did you say 149 yep yeah 149 they were selling for about 150 which so about 150 was crazy yeah right when two years ago they were six fifty to 60 bucks and we're talking about your average looking psa three 59 Aaron. It's not a rookie. It's not second or third year, but it's still from the 50s. So that is an adjustment period for someone who's been doing this for a long time versus somebody that's just coming back or just new. You know, if, if anyone listening was 
collecting when they were a kid in the eighties, you know, the, the, the game is the, the hobby is totally different now. So it's an adjustment period, you know, and I think that mindset is a very difficult one to adjust for those of us that have been doing this for a long time. So does that change the way you collect? Does that? Yes. I mean, it, 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 it's, it makes me well, begrudgingly willing to pay more because that's just the way it is. You want, you know, let's, I guess we could take like, I, I, I do own an Aaron 59. I don't know the grade, but if I didn't and I wanted one and my 2000 mind said, Oh, these are 50, 60 bucks. Well, then 2021 Eric is not going to get one because it's not going to happen. It's not, you know, the mindset has to change. So if you want this thing, you have to pay up for it. Now in the grand scheme of things, all of these cars are not getting any younger and anything I would say at this point, any really nice looking, again, we can, if you'd like to pick another player or a card, we can, we can adjust that if you'd like. Did you have another card in mind? No, but here, here's a question. And this can be, I'd, I'd love to hear both of your takes on this because is that dynamic created where, where a PSA three today is selling for $150 where we both remember them being significantly cheaper, not that long ago. Is that created by the fact that there are more collectors entering the hobby? Or is that created by the fact that no more 59 Hank Aaron's are being able to be submitted because it doesn't make sense to grade them at the current price level and therefore the supply is drying up? Well, I was, that's what I was thinking about, Mike. And if, if you are submitting a card and your plan is to sell it, and you start looking at the prices and the price of the card over the last, let's say year, year and a half has went up. Like, let's just say it's went up hundred percent. Right. But the cost of grading has went up 200 to 250%. I mean, look at all that, look at all that profit that the grading companies have kind of squeezed away from the resellers. And that's gonna, yeah, that's going to make them less enticed to send that card in. Right. For sure. Right. So, but are there more? Are there more people now wanting a '59 Hank Aaron? And what we're seeing, what I've seen other people do, and I've done this myself on a number of cards that I have bought over the last during the meteoric rise. I wanted a this grade. Let's say if I was hunting for a '59 Aaron, I'd be looking for a five. That's a collector grade to me. You can find really nice looking fives maybe a six if the price made sense, but I'm having to settle for a three because a three now costs what a five cost a year ago. Right. You know what I mean, Eric? And, and that, yeah, yeah, totally. So that dynamic has totally changed the way I hunt and select cards. I don't consider that a good thing because I'd rather have a five. Right. But right. the, the reality of it is I'm having to settle which you could argue will save up more money and buy the card you want. Well, 
that's easier yeah, said than done sometimes because they're just that, not out there. Well, that that's interesting you brought that up because you see a lot of people say that. But then by the time you saved up for it, it's gone up again. <laughs> and you have Great to save point. up more and then it's gone up again. So you're chasing your tail in that regard. Right. So I'm sorry, Andy, if you're if you're done. If you're yeah, Andy, done. keep going. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you either. I apologize. Yeah, just to your point, Eric, to your point there, Eric, there's a lot of cards that I've been saving up for forever and probably will because you never you never save up quick enough. Right, exactly. Your rate yeah, of saving I, I, yeah, cannot keep pace. Yeah. Your rate of saving can't keep pace with the increase in price of the card. That's, that's, that's right. true. Very true. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. I just yeah, think that the supply of well, cards is going down. Well, yes, but I mean, maybe the, the 59 Aaron is probably more of an extreme example. Let's say, all right, let's use a different example. Let's say an 82 tops rip, uh, an 82 tops Ricky Henderson. You know, okay. third, year, third year card. Raw, not very expensive. Rated, it could get expensive. And to answer your question, initial question that you asked us both, and Andy already answered, I think the answer is both. More people wanting to collect and collecting, and to Andy's point, less people submitting, because why are you going to pay such a high grading fee and then sell at you know even law as minimal gain i mean it it's it, you know it's a double-edged sword i mean it's it's you know a lot of people all oh, flippers oh they're so horrible well the, you know the cards have to come from somewhere you know somebody and i've been saying this a lot lately <laughs> like because i you guys know me well that I don't mind lower grades. And so one of the things I've been saying a lot lately is to submitters is like, you cry, I buy. Like <laughs> you submit something, you get a horrible grade. You're, oh man, I can't believe I got this grade. I'm interested. What do you want for it? You know, that there is a market, you know, not everybody has to have tip top condition. And the longer you, you do, you, you are collecting, there's always going to be somebody better. I don't care what it is. But um, so the supply, like you said, you know, there's more people buying and there's less supply. So you put that stuff together and then you're you're sitting at, you know, you know, not to call you out, Mike, but what was that card you just bought? Um you told me, and I can't remember. So Lee Smith. Oh, uh, yeah, eighty-four tops. Lee Smith. There you go. You're not calling me out. I bought the card, so I have no one to blame but myself. And I paid uh, thirteen or fourteen dollars for an eighty-four tops Lee Smith in an eight. And a PSA eight. Right. That card so, a year ago or a year two years ago, I could have bought a ten. For that for price. Bucks, you yeah. know right right exactly and honestly probably 
two, three years ago, you probably wouldn't even want to find an eight. <laughs> yeah, because nobody was grading those either because it wasn't even worth grading to get a 10, even if you got right. a 10. Right. So, it, you know, it was kind a of a trick of question because the answer, I think, is both. I think you're right, Eric, that, that the answer is both. Both things are contributing to what we're seeing in the market right now. Right. And I don't think that gets better anytime soon. No, no, not any. Eventually, but you know, five, six years from now, I mean, that, that, that's, you know, an eternity in the hobby. Right. There's a lot of, you know, you know, I like to think a lot of people that are listening that are, um, you know, in our age group that are, you know, they realize that these things take time. And, you know, to say it again, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Like and that, that applies to all forms of collecting, especially cards. And especially if you're collecting, you know, anyone who's, you know, and this sounds morbid, but anyone who's still breathing, you know, if, if, if somebody is still breathing, they can do something wrong. And if, if, you know, the monetary aspect though, you know, if, you know, player X goes out and, and does something horrible, you know, that's going to reflect badly on their cardboard. Can I go yeah, back to, a, oh, go ahead, Andy. Well, I was just going to say, like, I just, I mean, I, th I just think like, because there are so many people out there that, you know, sell cards for a living. So they submit a lot of cards on their own. And to me, for those guys, I think they just look at it as a math problem. And if the cost of grading continues to go up at a higher rate than the end product, which is the graded card itself, then the result should be fewer cards submitted. I mean, if you're just looking at it from that right. standpoint. Right. And I agree with that totally. The thing you pointed out earlier also, Eric, was they cry, you buy. And I think that's an absolutely true statement on modern, ultra-modern. Absolutely. If you go to vintage, there's a lot larger portion of that. Like if you're modern, ultra-modern, you want 10s or 9s. Like everything else is garbage to your average modern collector. I agree to, with that, yes. To the average vintage collector, a little bit of wear is not a bad thing, you know, and you're willing well, to, so the mid to low grades are way more attractive to a vintage collector. And cause that's the reality of what most of them are like the, the nines and tens in vintage cards are unicorns, right? They're just right. unusual. Nobody really expects to have those in their collection. Let's just be honest or, right. or wants to pay the, like you said, the 10 tax or the super high grade, premium that it would take to acquire those cards so we live in the mid-grade world in the vintage sure. world that's that's our that's our milieu and so i still think that because the there's a math problem that andy was talking about those vintage cards are much much less likely to be sent in now and in the foreseeable future for sure it doesn't make any sense and therefore the existing supply that's already on the market is being eaten up by these new collectors coming in, driving prices higher. And maybe it'll get to the point where the prices get so high that it is worth sending in a beat up right. 
59 tops Hank Aaron. I don't know. Well, no, well, honestly, I, I think that I agree with what you're saying, but I think a lot more of that is on the fringe players. Agreed. The you know goats are yeah, yeah, yeah. As totally much agree. as it as much as it pains me to say this, like Frank Robinson. Right. You know, who's disgustingly underappreciated. But that's for another time. But guys like that. Like, what is the incentive to submit a 73 Frank Robinson? You know, exactly. I mean, especially at the current price points. But guys like Aaron, like the upper tier guys, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's going to slow down much. Yeah. I think, but conversely, I think demand increases a lot more. <clears throat> like, I think there's more people looking for, you know, PSA three Aaron's than, you know, your fringe guys in sixes and sevens. That's like probably a fair statement. There's a market for, you know, look at what PSA 1 mantles do from 51 all the way to 69. Like, if you can get a PSA 1 mantle, you know, a beat to crap one, it's still going to be three figures. It's going to be over $100. For a beat to crap, you know, 68 tops mantle, you probably get one for like 100 125 So that, the, you know, there's always going to be a demand for those upper tier guys. But now we're talking about the vintage world. There's a lot of mid tier guys and they're popular and they're well collected, but that's where we're going to run into the problem that you're, you mentioned. And I agree with like where the supply is going to dwindle and hopefully, you know, that sees a bump in the prices to the point what Andy said perfectly with the math. You know that it becomes worth submitting those fringe guys because there's a lot of you know there's a a lot of people listening vintage guys that love 50s and 60s and so you know for every jackie robinson you know there's the other end of the spectrum but still collected there's tony perez and you know right right Willie Stargell, guys like that. Yeah, so, one of the one of the thoughts that I had, and this would be something that would help keep those player registries from that era of Hall of Fame type players, the lower level Hall of Fame type players alive, because I think we would all agree that this backlog that they have is probably at least ninety percent modern, ultra modern, right? Yes. So what if and even then, mostly basketball, right? Yeah. So what if they, let's say they come back with a bulk service level of, let's say, 30 bucks, right? Now, since since they know they're not going to get flooded with, like, cards from, like, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, could they have a level that would be, like, 15 to $20 in the, you know, declared values, like, $100 or less, something like that, that would help keep those registries going? Because I really think, I feel like they're going to have to do something because the registry is too important. To PSA to just dismiss it entirely. That's a great point, and and actually, I think a great idea. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, even fifteen twenty dollars, like you said, fifteen twenty dollars a card, hundred dollar cap, you know. And they have to, and they. This sounds weird, but they have to be strict about it. Yeah, like you can't slide a mantle in there. I mean. <laughs> Well, they'll upcharge you. <laughs> well, that's true. They'll upcharge you, but they'd have to make it like to keep this flow going. They'd have to make it like a like a 
severe penalty. Like, a, I don't know, you know, because a lot of these submitters play the game. But I, I think that's a great idea. Like, you know, Brooks Robinson and players like that to keep – I think that's a very good idea. And I think that's something they should probably float out to to their customer base. Like, they well, should probably, I'll call, like, I'll call propose, what do you guys – what do you – people think of this I'll, I'll call nat turner tomorrow and let him know andy's idea. i'll give andy full credit for that by the way i, I just emailed him it's, it's all good mike okay <laughs> so y'all know that you know they have these quarterly spec they used to have these quarterly spec like trout and grit i remember one recent like right before the shutdown it was a trout and griffey or uh, what's that jordan too yeah yeah, Jordan, they had kind of like send in these players and you get a price break at, at starting right. card level. You know, if you send in 25 of these guys, I think I think doing that where you just have this permanent encouraging vintage kind of price point that because we know it is like you said, 90 percent plus modern, ultra modern. It's, you know, someone sending in 350 Louis Robert 2020 tops, 2019, 2020. Oh. 2020. Yes. Yes. You know, that's what's happening. I mean, the pops of those cards are going through the roof. How can they cater to, I mean, does, and does PSA even care though? They don't, a card's a card is a card. Why would they want to? And I, not that I, I think it's a brilliant idea. It's I'm now thinking, why would PSA care? Why would they want to provide an incentive for that? I think they do care, and if they don't, they definitely should. I agree. Because that is just, I mean, like the registry, for so many years, that has been the one thing that separated them from all these other companies, probably more than anything. Still is. I mean, prior to the boom, especially. Still is. Still is. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing when you, when you go on all the social media stuff and the message boards and stuff. You know, any new new third-party grader that starts up, well, where's the registry? You know, everyone wants to, you know, aim for PSA, but they don't realize that, you know, the heart of the matter, the registry is very important. And I, I think, to, to Mike's point, is there interest? I can think of one major, uh, not wholesaler is not the right word. Retailer one major retailer that built pretty much built their business on on having affordable you know late 70s 80s hall of famers and popular players and i i think you can both guess who that is four sharp corners that's correct so you know i think if they were to open up like andy suggested rightfully so i don't think four sharp corners would have any problem submitting any minimum amount of whatever it may be that psa would require to make it worth quote unquote worthwhile yeah because I mean, there is a market i mean nothing you know if if that doesn't you know if if if, if Mike buying that PSC eight Lee Smith doesn't prove that. I don't know what will. That that's the thing, Eric, is like how many thousands of people I think you may have said this earlier, how many thousands of collectors are there out there 
that are like Mike that are into the registry and there is nothing else that I have ever seen that could create that type of brand loyalty the way that that registry has. So, I mean, they would be saying that go. 100% agree. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many people are as crazy as me and collect the, the way that I do out there, but I'll tell surprised. you, I go, what's that? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, maybe, <laughs> but I like collecting kind of the everything of everything. And I used to go on four sharp corners, quote unquote, back in the day, you know, sure. pre rise. And I would buy Kellogg's cards and like all the weird stuff I have now of these hall of famers is because I was just searching, looking for a certain card and found it on four sharp corners. And Hey, what else can I get while I'm here to get the free shipping, you know? Yeah. And I would find some really cool stuff. You know, I'd find a PSA eight Kellogg's 72 Stargell for $7 or something. Like, okay. Exactly. Throw that Already in the card. Cool. Which you couldn't you know? even, even back then you wouldn't be able to get that done yourself for that right. price. Even if you had the card. Exactly. And I thought about that every purchase I made and it, it's now to the point because of this glut, this clog, those cards are all gone. And I'm having a very difficult time in the way that I collect and what I look for, finding the cards. And if I can find them, they're at such an absolutely bonkers price, in my opinion, that I simply go, no, which means I'm demanding more supply. I'm demanding, I, my, not demanding, I would love to see that because that would cater to me and to what I oh, would I'm like. I guarantee you're not alone in that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to be alone, but no. I mean, Eric, you and I have a lot of uh, crossover in our, in our collections, meaning there's tons of cards that I have that you also have. Yes. There's even more cards that you have that I wish I had, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think that, there is a huge market for that, especially in the vintage world. We'll take, well, I mean, bring them all out. I mean, you ask if there's if there's interest. Well, those are all gone. So there's your answer. <laughs> yeah, somebody bought them, right? Right, right. They're, you know, I haven't been to that website in a while, but I would guess it's pretty barren versus what it was two years ago. It, it's actually not. You'd be, if if you go there and, and I shop on the website, I'm sure a lot of you do too. They're on eBay, obviously, but their prices are always cheaper. Yes. Sharpcorners.com. This is not a pin endorsement. We get nothing no. from them. Uh, but we've all, you, I think the three of us have used them extensively in our hobby life. Anyone who does any registry has absolutely used them. Like I have registries of Greg Nettles and Keith Hernandez. And, you know, these are not, you know, those two guys are not obviously I've submitted some myself over the years, but those are not two players that, you know, are bangers that, you know, are going to be highly sought after on, on eBay and stuff. And you would probably say without four sharp corners. I probably wouldn't have those. Right. Like I, like I, I think I paid, you know, boy, it's been 10 years, but you know, I had like an 85 tops, medals, PSA 10 Tiffany 
was probably like fourteen ninety nine, you know, fifteen bucks, if that, and you know, PSA ten. So you know, that's a whole another topic that we can discuss another time as far as nines and tens on those. I guess technically not vintage. I don't know what eighty five is classified as is anymore, but but uh, so yes, there's you're getting off on a tangent here, but obviously there is demand because everything that they used to have at the lower price is gone. So they went somewhere. So I think, you know, and I think a lot of, I don't, I think a lot of people don't realize how popular this is. Now it was popular two years ago and now it's a hell of a lot more popular. And I think a lot of, you know, especially those of us that do the social media and the online stuff, I, I think obviously that's important, but I think it's a small representation. Like I, I always like to say this, and I, I apologize for going a little off tangent, but there's a, and I won't name it, but there's a very popular message board, very popular, and they don't need to be named. You're both on <laughs> okay. it. But uh, people we tend to think who, we all know who you're talking about, it's right? Okay. People tend to think that's the end all be all. Whereas I look at that place as like a, it's a cruise ship on the ocean. It's very important. It's a cruise ship, but the hobby is the ocean. So in the grand scheme of things, it's very minute. But in that particular genre, message board discussions, social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all the very important, but a very small, minute overall aspect of the hobby. Now, all one needs to do is go to the national and you see what I'm talking about, especially in the old days, not not this year in particular, but in the old days. So I think. I think it's. I think there's a demand for what, what you asked about, what the the mid, you know, like eighty five tops, Eddie Murray, stuff like that. There is a market for that. You know, you brought up the national, and I remember even just two nationals ago. I'm sorry, 2019, which was actually the previous national before this year. Right. There were dealers with boxes and boxes of. $5 slab boxes and it would be seventies, eighties, you know, hall of famers, you know, kind of lower, like you said, kind of those non core guys. Well, was it you or was it, who were you with? You bought the Messina for $5. Yeah, that was, that was with Mike O. Actually right. he bought it because I already had it and I almost bought it just because. And, and he, he bought, bought a, a, a PSA nine clear ultra update Messina rookie for $5. He did. Those boxes were very not like every table had them, but they were there were bunches of those types oh, of yes. boxes. I totally agree. Not this year. Nope. And Mike, share with everybody how you had the vision to buy all those boxes full of slabs. <laughs> Dang it! I should have. I. But at the, I I can go back to my old videos. It was either 2018 or 2019. I bought tons of Nolan like. 82 tops Astros leaders, Nolan Ryan, $5 for a nine. Or, right. you know, 
I could buy all these don't I bought all these Nolan Ryan's because I found a guy that had a ton of them and it was like five dollars a piece or six for 20 or you know I mean you could literally buy slab cards for cheap right those days are long gone and and it's yeah. and it's not that I that I think any of us as we kind of finish up here none of us expect us to ever go back to those days those were those are days that are retired forever I think but right it's what does the new world look like what does where do we where can we fit in whether as you mentioned it earlier Eric are you a collector that's been doing this forever where do, where does you, what does your future look like in the hobby because of the clog and what the the post clog era that we're going to be in Ooh, the post clog era that's what we'll call it uh, <laughs> you know the the kind of guy that's been in the hobby just a few years that kind of got the end of the of of the good old days and is now and then you have the new guy that's coming in with no idea he just he thinks this is normal right right exactly and it we all have to figure out what that looks like i'm willing to spend 13 dollars on a lee smith 84 tops psa 8. <laughs> some people right. would call that completely stupid um, i'm raising my hand yeah you're raising your hand that's fine <laughs> but i understand at the same point i understand and but at the end of the day and this is we all get to make this decision i have a hobby dollar that I want to spend, I can spend it however I want, whether it makes sense to everyone else or not. And yep, bingo. That is you you have to be whoever you with your dollar, you have to be okay with what you're buying. And exactly. I did not I did not buy the Lee Smith 84 tops PSA 8 because I thought it's going to double next week or ever. I will probably forever <laughs> have lost money on that card. I can agree with that. Yes. I'm raising my end. <laughs> and I am totally okay with that because I wanted to do it. Exactly. Right. And the collection. Yeah. And so that's, there's just, it's just a different world. We're all living in it. We're all trying to figure it out. I appreciate you guys coming on the show to, to discuss oh, yeah. this. Holy I don't know shit. that we solved anything, but we certainly, it, it's just interesting to think what the future looks like and try to speculate, talk through what yes. is maybe going through the minds of different collectors and flippers and all this stuff. Um, and especially to get to do it with two of my best friends is never a bad way to spend an evening. I just had one last thought, Mike, because sure. you were talking about the picking up those $5 slabs a couple of years ago. What it made me think of is like, that is the hobbies version of like when our grandparents tell us about how they used to go to the movie theater for like a nickel. Right. That's kind of like the hobby version of that. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I bought, I, I know this now, I just, this popped in my head. I bought a 50, I'm sorry, 63 tops. It's a multiplayer card, Buckbusters, and it had Roberto Clemente on it. Yes, Buckbusters, yeah. Is that it? And yeah. there's like four guys kneeling down. It's a horizontal card. Or no, maybe vertical card. I can't remember. It's a, vertic it's a vertical card. Vertical yeah. card. And Clemente's on it. And I got a PSA 6 of that card, maybe a 7, for like $10. Back then, know. yeah. 2018. It's not like it was yeah. huh. decades ago or anything. Almost four years, yeah. Uh, 
it's changed a lot and we have to either adapt or yeah i mean we can adapt. <laughs> yeah we adapt or or wait you know and i don't know that waiting is going to do you a whole hell of a lot of good as we've talked about depends on the player absolutely <laughs> sure uh eric any final thoughts no i think we 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 had a nice discussion here i mean if you're if you're watching if you're listening watching on youtube please you know hit smash the like button it helps out and definitely leave comments let's get the comments get the the discussion going i mean if you've got thoughts on it you know if you want to make a response video even better yeah we're definitely not the last word in any of no. this no we're but, always uh, learning you're always yeah. learning like I always like to say, always learning, share your knowledge. You know, it, it makes it, it makes the community better. You you said something at the very beginning, Eric, that I'm curious about. Andy, you've been in the hobby how long? Um, let's see, since I was like eight years old, so thirty-four years. Eric, I know I know you've been in the hobby since nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty, I'm eighty one. So we got 41, 40, and 30. So that's over 100 years of hobby experience between us. Right. That makes me feel old as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but you're only as old as you feel. That's true. And an experience does have some value. Yes. It doesn't mean expertise. It just no. means experience two different things, but we uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Eric, for being on the show. My pleasure. Um, Thanks for having us on. It's always a good time. Always a good time. Yeah. I think we could, we could go for hours and hours and, you know, if, if like Eric said, if you want to comment and you want to see a follow-up and us continue to discuss this, we'd be, you know, it's not like it's hard for me to get a hold of these guys. It's maybe hard <laughs> for me to pin them down to do an episode, but uh <laughs> It none of us we we all enjoy talking about this, and that's the great yes. thing about making these connections and having friends in the hobby. It's so great, and you guys truly, I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate what you mean to the hobby, and especially what you mean to me personally. Right so, you, all right, well, everybody out there, thanks for listening, watching on YouTube. We'll catch you soon. Keep collecting. Even if you can't find it, keep trying. <laughs> yeah!